there on the tail end of our uh, message video. What does it mean for me to share my life with others? And why would I want to do that anyway? An incredibly important question, and it's a question that we're going to wrestle with, not just today, but over the next few weeks as we walk through the book of Philippians, exploring together what does it look like for me to really share my life with others? What does it look like for us to be together? What do I want to lift up for a consideration for us to think about, explore today, setting us up for the next couple of weeks? Is that I believe that the life that we have together because of what God has done can and should and will look different from what we see around us in the rest of the world. That we have something different that God has done that transforms our relationships that we can truly be together. We'll ask you, what do you think it means to share our lives together? I think many of us uh, we think we're living our lives together when what we're really just doing is we're just occupying the same space. But I would lift up that just because we're in the same space does not mean that we're sharing our lives together. That sharing our lives together means that we are invested in one another, that we take the risk to know and be known, and that we're moving together toward a shared mission. And what is our shared mission if we are followers of Jesus is to love God and make him known. And as we love God and we live on mission together, we find that we can take the risk to make ourselves vulnerable to one another. This is what God did. That he traded control for connection. That he said, I want to give you an opportunity to really connect with me. So he gave us a choice. Will you receive me or reject me? And he gives us the same opportunity. Will we trade control for connection? I think many of us, we live our lives kind of like magnets. Do you remember when you were a kid and you played with magnets? And if you flip them on one side, what do they do? They stick together, right? But if you flip those same magnets over and you try to stick them together, what happens? You remember? There's this force in between them. And even though they're taking up the same space, they can't really connect with one another. Why? Because the magnetism, the attraction is on the other side. And I think many of us are so focused on controlling what we get on the outside. What does my reputation look like? What does my image look like? What do people think of me? How am I connecting with people on the outside that we're not able to really connect with people on the inside? And what I want to challenge us to do is if we're really believing and trusting in Christ, that we can let go and trade control for connection. Let God be sovereign. Let God be in control. Let God be God. And we can take the risk to really connect with one another. We're, now, we're going to walk through these next couple of weeks through the book of Philippians, exploring this together. And the reason we chose Philippians is because Philippians is full of truths about what it looks like for us, not just to occupy the same space, but to really connect with each other and invest in one another. So we're going to walk through, we're going to start in Philippians chapter 1 today. So let's take a look, if you have your Bibles, Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. Paul writes this to the church in Philippi. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy 
because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I just got to stop for a moment. My goodness, that is some good news for us today that the God who began a good work in you and in me will bring it to completion. Thank God it's not up to me, but God is at work. Amen. And that is good news for us. I just got to stop and celebrate that for a second. He's going to complete that work. And then he says, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Here's what Paul is essentially saying as he writes to the church in Philippi, that you and I, if we're connected in Jesus, can have a relationship that no one else in the world can know or experience and they long for it. That our connection, that our sharing of life together can be something greater than anything that we ever thought possible that we really can invest and really share our lives together. This word sharing is critical here as Paul invites us to think about what our lives can look like. So let's take a look deeper look verses three through five and, and see where Paul brings this up. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you always pray with joy. Why? Why does he have joy? Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. This word partnership, it's a word many of you have heard before in the Greek, it's the word koinonia. Koinonia means a fellowship and a sharing. What Paul is saying is when I pray for you and when I realize that our lives are intertwined and we're connected and we are together, I am filled with joy. Why? Is it because you're so awesome and I'm so awesome? No, it's because of what we are sharing together. There's a koinonia, a fellowship of something that is coming from the outside to us. And what is it that they're sharing? They're sharing the love and the power and the grace that God brings. Not the Philippians, not Paul, but God has done something that only God could do, that Jesus came to do what we could not do for ourselves, that he was the perfect offering, the eternal sacrifice on the cross that would be free from sin. The tomb was empty. We have hope and eternal life in him because of what God did. And here's the key. Because of that, what Paul understood what the Philippians understood is that they didn't have to focus so much on what they got from one another because they had already received. So here's the difference between Jesus followers and the rest of the world is the world spends all its time trying to achieve when we've already received what only God could do. And because we received, we can pour into each other equally. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Being together is about mutual love and giving. That we really can trade control for connection. 
that we can take one another off the leash. We can stop trying to manipulate one another and just love without any expectation of what I get in return. You see, we've got to be very, very careful in how we love and connect with one another. This koinonia, this fellowship, flew right in the face of the Roman culture. The Roman culture was defined when it came to connection by two very important things. The first was something called benefactors. Benefactors in the first century Rome were incredibly important, and it worked something like this. If I had wealth, if I had power, if I had influence, if I had connection, I would look for someone to reach out to, and I'll give a hand. I'll give a financial support. I'll put my name behind you. I might mentor you, but only because of what you're going to do in return. If I'm going to give you some money, then you better support me. If I'm going to put my name behind you, you better vote for me. If I'm going to mentor you, you better come up underneath me. And it was all about this, I'll do for you if you do for me. The other part about Roman culture was not just the benefactors, but it was their incredible focus on authority and power and status. See, for us, we take for granted the value of humility. We talk about humility, we laud humility, we, we talk about how important it is. Uh, we may not live it out, but we try to make sure that people at least think that we're humble, right? But for the Roman culture, humility was not a value. The value was status. The, the value was where you are in life. And not only was it good for you to have status, but it was a responsibility that if you had power and status, that you kept yourself there and you kept others in their place. And Jesus comes along and he just flips the whole thing upside down. And he speaks to us and Paul, he speaks through Paul to the church to say, our connection and our relationships are not about I'll do for you and you do for me. And I got to make sure that I'm where I'm supposed to be and you're where you're supposed to be. No, it's about what God has already done, who humbled himself. Next week, we're going to look at how Jesus came and humbled himself to the very form of a slave. And that's what God is all about. And so we can let go of all this, this manipulating and control. And instead we share our lives together. And here's what happens when we're willing to do that. We'll experience true joy. We'll experience authentic affection. And we'll experience real and lasting growth. And what does this look like? Number one, we will experience true joy. Look what Paul writes, verses 3 through 7. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with what? I pray with what? Joy. I pray with what? Joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart, and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Paul says, when I think about you and our connection, I am overwhelmed with joy. I am overwhelmed with the goodness of God because of his grace, which is the basis for our connection. The basis of our connection is not what you're going to do for me or what I'm going to do for you. It's not the reputation that you'll give me or the similar hobbies that we have or what people will think or how you make me feel. The basis, the foundation of our connection that brings me joy is the grace that we share. 
These words joy and grace are, are intimately connected to one another. The word joy is the word keros, and it means to have delight or great gladness. The word for grace is the word karitos, which means to have unmerited favor and blessing. What Paul is saying is the reason our connection brings us joy is because we're sharing in the favor and the blessing of God. When you mess up, it's okay. When I mess up, it's okay. Because what you do for me and what I do for you is not the foundation of our connection. The foundation of our connection is that God has a favor. God has a blessing to pour on you and me. That is good news for us today. See, the, being together for us, if you're taking notes, being together creates gladness. It creates gladness. It creates a, a passion and excitement, a, a goodness in our lives. Now, sometimes this gladness is experienced in a feeling. We might feel gladness, the emotion of the goodness of God in our connection with one another. But even deeper than that, this gladness is rooted in a commitment. It's rooted in a commitment to trust in the kindness of God and to know that God's at work. And it's rooted in a commitment that I'm called to join with God to reflect that kindness and the work of God in my life and through my life and around my life. And that through that commitment, we can spur one another on and encourage each other and really experience the lasting joy and gladness of God. But it requires a risk for us. Am I willing to take the risk to know and be known? Am I willing to take the risk to be vulnerable, just like God makes himself vulnerable to us? Are you going to receive me or reject me? Am I willing to take that risk? See, we have to reject the opposite of that. What's the opposite is isolation. What happens in isolation? Isolation will breed uh, loneliness. It will breed bitterness, despair, anxiety, depression, fear, worry. We've got to reject that, that isolation and say, I'm made to do life with others, that others need me and I need others. And so instead, I'm going to embrace togetherness. And in togetherness, I know that it grows joy and it grows peace and it grows hope and it grows love and it grows forgiveness and it grows mercy and purpose. And that the life that God has for me is found when I'm willing to risk togetherness, to know and be known. And when we commit ourselves to that, we will begin to experience the goodness of God through the affection of God lived out through others and others experience it lived out through me. And what does God say? Does he say, I've come that you might figure it all out? No. Does he say, I've come that you might be a good person? No. I've come that you might have life. And so I'm bringing my life to you with compassion and grace and mercy and love. Paul talks about this affection in verses 7 and 8. He says, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart, and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me, God can testify how I long for all of you with what? With the affection of Christ. 
Two very important words for us here. He says, it is right for me, number one, to feel this way. The word there in the Greek is the word phronean. It literally means to have an attitude, a way of seeing, a way of thinking, a way of being. In other words, it is the lens through which we see life. And the other word that's so very important is the word translated as affection. In the Greek, it's the word splachnois. It is the root word for the number one descriptor of Jesus in the Gospels, splagnitsenai, which in the Gospels is translated as compassion. It literally means from the innermost being. What Paul is saying to us is that the lens through which we see one another is through the lens of compassion. The lens that we see one another that will truly give us the togetherness, not just occupying the same space, but joining our lives together is coming through compassion, an attitude of compassion. If you're taking notes, being together should be experienced with kindness and care. Kindness and care. Listen, we can mess a lot of things up in our relationships with one another, and it'll be okay if we have kindness and care. Uh, we can mess a lot of things up if we move toward one another with grace. Paul says things in other letters like, bear with one another, uh, make room for one another's faults, that, that we lean into each other, number one, with grace, meaning I don't expect perfection. Yeah, we're moving on to perfection, but we're on a journey and I'm going to be aware and ready for when you mess up and I mess up and we're still in it together, even when we mess up, because the foundation is not what you do for me and I do for you. It's what God's already done for us. And so we lean into each other with grace. We lean into each other with forgiveness. I'm going to let go of the bitterness. I'm going to let go of the grudges. And I'm going to forgive and give mercy. And we're going to embrace one another even when we hurt each other, knowing that God is a God who restores and redeems. And I'm going to lean into you with empathy, that I really want to understand you. One of the greatest keys in every one of our relationships, whether you're talking about marriage or friendship or family, is that we would stop listening to win and start listening to understand. That I want to really know you. I want to know what makes you tick and how you think and where you're coming from. And have empathy for one another that what is it like to be you? And knowing that there's a God who loves you and a God who loves me. And because of that, we can really risk connecting and being together. And we can give that love and affection. And here's what happens for you and for me when we're willing to give that affection and receive, to believe I'm lovable. Yeah, I've messed up and I keep messing up, but I am a lovable person and God's at work in me. And God is restoring me and moving me on to Christ-likeness. When we are willing to give and receive that kind of love, we begin to grow. See, if you want to be a more loving person, hang out with loving people. If you want to hang out with loving people, start becoming a loving person because love grows love. That's the way God works. So when we come into who He is, His character, and God is love, then we begin to become love as well. And we start to grow. This is what Paul says, verses 9 through 11. And this is my prayer that what? that your love may abound more and more. I want to grow in love, in knowledge and in depth, to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. 
filled with the fruit of righteousness of Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Jesus, or Paul is saying, look, Jesus came. He gave his life. The tomb was empty. He rose again. And Jesus is coming again to judge living in the dead. And we want you to be ready. And how do you get ready? Is you're going to grow in love. It might abound. That word abound. Uh, it is, it's the, the word uh, parisua, parise. And it literally means to be flowing over above the lid, to be more and more beyond expectation. What Paul is saying is that we can grow beyond expectation, filling over, spilling over with love that leads to insight, that leads to growth, that leads to knowledge. That when we're willing to connect ourselves together, that God will grow us more than we ever possibly thought was possible. Last fill in the blank, together, living together, being together, helps me to become more of who God made me to be. More of who God. See, here's the thing. God is forever. He was, he is, he will be. He has no beginning. He has no end. He's the God of the universe. He holds all things in his hands. And he is forever and ever abounding in all good things. The giver of every good thing. And he wants to do a work in you and he wants to do a work in me. And the work that he wants to do is so much more than we could do for ourselves. It's so much more than we ever thought was possible. We don't ever get to the point where we're like, oh, I figured out God. No, I've got to the edge of God. I've got to the limit of all the things God is gonna do in my life. No, it's always more. That's the greatness of God. And just to be honest with you, I don't want a God that I can understand or get to the end of. I want a God who always has more. And that's what he's come to do. And here's how it works. He says, if you want more of me, then you got to take the risk to know and be known by me and by my people. The way that I bring growth into your life, the way God brings growth into my life, he says, is as we're willing to be together, not just occupying the same space, but really connecting, being vulnerable, allowing ourselves to connect. That one of the things that we would do is that we would support and encourage each other. I say it all the time. I hear it all the time. I don't know how people do life without the church. Stuff is just gonna happen. We live in a broken, messed up world and we won't always know why, but we can always ask God, what are you doing? And so much of the time he's doing it through his people. It means that we can hold each other accountable. One of the greatest gifts that we can give to each other if we want to be together is to invite somebody to hold us accountable. To say, I'm giving you permission because I want to be more of who God created me to be. It means that we forgive each other and we don't hold those broken things over each other's heads. It means that we share wisdom with each other. A wise person learns from their mistakes. A truly wise person learns from the mistakes of others. And that we would give love to one another and say, I've messed up and I don't want you to mess up. And we, let me just share with you my story. And we are willing to, to take the risk to join our lives together, working together for that shared mission to love God and make him known. And here's the key to it all. As we don't just join together, trying to do it on our own, 
It's not just about a tool, relationship toolbox. It's not just about doing all the right things. It is about being one in Christ. That is the difference. It's being one in Christ based on what God has done, not what we can do. While the world tries to achieve, we've already received and it changes everything. In your seats, you've got a little card and each week we're gonna encourage you to memorize some scripture. And this week it comes from Philippians chapter one, verse 27. I'm gonna put it on the screen. Let's read it. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Not one and how awesome we are or how hard we try or what tools we use. No, standing firm in the one Spirit. If the Spirit of God, because of what Christ has done, joins us not just in the same space, but joins us together. We care so very deeply about the launching pad, that we want you to be in life groups. We want you to be in equipped classes. We want you to be on ministry teams. Those are important, but they're not the end. They're the beginning. They're a way to launch us into living our lives together, that we've gotta be willing to take the risk to have a connection that doesn't look like what we see around us. Not worried about what's on the outside of the magnet or what, what I'm trying to control and attract but am I willing to be drawn to another person in Christ because of what he's already done? There's two very critical choices that we all make in life. The first is to take the risk to know and be known by another person. We never really truly experience connectedness until we take that risk. Did, did you know, have you experienced that you can be lonely in a crowded room? The people can be all around you and still not have connection until we take that step to say, I wanna know you, I wanna be known by you. So I'm letting go of control, I'm trading it for connection. Another critical choice that we all make is that same risk, that same step, but this time to be known and to know our creator, our savior, Jesus to be filled with the Spirit, to be one with Him. I've said it before, the miracle of all miracles is not just that God could forgive you, but that God says, I wanna be one with you. We have an awesome, awesome God. He is so great. How great and amazing is God. And He wants more than what we're experiencing. I think the, the sickness of the soul that so many have experienced over these last couple of years it's just the isolation and loneliness when we lack being together. Here's the truth. We gather week after week and we do these classes and we do groups and we do ministry teams and we do all the stuff because somebody needs you and you need somebody. It may not be today, August 8th, 2021. It may not be October. It may not be February, 2022, but someday, Somebody's gonna need you. 
Someday you're going to need somebody. Life is just messed up. It's hard. It's broken. Sin is, is being redeemed, but it's not yet redeemed. Christ is coming again to finish it. We're in the in-between. And we need each other. And when we come together, it's not just to hear good music or a good message or whatever it might be. It's because we need each other. Will you take the risk to know and be known by the people sitting around you, the people in your group, the people you do life with? Will you take the risk to know and be known by God who loves you? Not as you should be, but as you are. As a plan and a purpose for you based on not what you do, but based on what He does. So if you'll stand, we're gonna sing one more song. I wanna pray for you, I wanna pray for me. And I don't know where you are, but I just pray that we'll be willing to take that risk to, to be together with each other, to be vulnerable. And to take the risk to be vulnerable with God. What really, I don't know about what haunts you at night, but what haunts me at night is I think so many of us have stopped with believing in God. There's a massive difference between believing that God exists and trusting Him with my life. I beg you, if that's where you are, will you take that risky, courageous step to trust Him with your life? You cannot have true connection with another human being until you have true connection with your Creator and Savior. It is impossible. Will you take that step? So let me pray for all of us and let's listen to the Spirit of God as He speaks. Let's pray. God, we love you and we praise you, God. You are so great, abounding in love, in truth, in power, in mercy. We are in desperate need of you, Lord. We need to connect with you. We need to be one with you. And we recognize and we confess that you made us to do life with each other, that somebody needs me and I need somebody. And we spend so very much time trying to control the image, the connections, the relationships, the events, the circumstances. And really what we do is we say, well, I'll do for you if you'll do for me. Lord, may we lay down that control that we can really connect with one another. May we lay down that control that we can really connect with you. Lord, there's so many people in this room and watching online and we're in different seasons, different experiences, but you are with every single one of us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, speak the word of truth, the word of God into our hearts and minds. Transform us and move us toward faithfulness. What is the next right step toward you, God? Reveal it to us and strengthen us and enable us to take that step that we could be set free and transformed Right now in this moment, we can leave and say, I met with the living God today. We pray for that right now, Lord. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.